Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Hello, everybody, and welcome to part two of the 164th week of the Lunch Pell Guys podcast. I'm your host, Aiden. Got everybody with me today, Lucas, Bart, Wyatt, and Jared. We're going to talk some NFL and a little bit of NBA as well. Starting with that NFL, uh, we're going to be filling some head coaching job openings right now. Um, if you think you're qualified, you know, go on Indeed, you know, put, put your name in there for sure, uh, but we're going to put our two cents in as to who should be hired in each spot. We're going to start with the Panthers. I'm going to be up first. I think that the Panthers head coaching job is the most attractive spot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that in mind, I'm going to say Sean Payton, the like big kahuna right now of, <laughs> of who's available. If I'm Sean Payton, I have a choice of who I'm going to take. I'm taking this job. The Panthers finished six and six in their last 12. They have young talent. You know, their offensive line, which has been a, a, a source of concern over the past few years, got a lot better this year, particularly with Ikem Ekwanu, who looks like he could be a stud at left tackle. You know, on defense, they have Brian Burns, Shaq Thompson, Brandon Smith, J.C. Horn at corner is looking pretty good. And plus, they've got the draft picks um, to either trade for Sean Payton in the first place um, or to allow Sean Payton to kind of shape the team as he likes. They got a bunch of picks over from the Niners in the Christian McCaffrey trade. Uh, and honestly, more importantly, it comes with less, less baggage than some of the other situations. So I think it's kind of a process of elimination thing uh, to some degree. I would not want the Broncos job if I'm Sean Payton. You know, you're stuck with Russell Wilson for a bit. Um, you're lacking draft picks because of the Russell Wilson trade. The Cardinals job, you're stuck with Kyler, which seems like a bad situation. Um, and you're also in a division where the future is pretty murky. You know, the Bucks, the Saints, the Falcons. None of them are, are grabbing this division for sure. Um, the Panthers have as solid a foundation as any of them for claim, claiming that mantle. Um, they'll obviously need a QB, but I feel like they're the most promise, potentially the most promising um, in that division. And so if Sean Payton's for sure taking a job this year, this is the one I, I would take. Yeah. Bart, who do you got? I certainly don't disagree with Sean Payton. Um, I, I think they would be really happy with that. One guy I want to call out is Steve Wilkes, the interim coach who replaced Matt Rule. Um, personally, as a Panthers fan, I wouldn't, if I were a Panthers fan, <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be upset with that because Matt Rule started one and five. Um, and then, as you mentioned, Aiden, with Wilkes, they went six and six. Um, their offense. Mm-hmm. And their defense both got better when they switched coaches. Even after they traded Christian McCaffrey, which you mentioned in our previous episode, Aiden, their running game actually improved, which I, again, mm-hmm. attribute to Steve Wilkes being a good coach. I just think like he did reasonably well given the, you know, the interim tag. And if you give him a full offseason and all the assets that you mentioned, Aiden, uh, I actually think he, he might do pretty well. I mean, I understand uh, Sean Payton is, is much more glamorous and you know, they should be trying to get him. Um, but I don't think it would be a disappointment if they ended up with their interim coach just staying. Another name that I don't have as many you know, good reasons for is D'Amico Ryans, just because he's my favorite mm-hmm. candidate, I think, outside of Sean Payton. Um, 
And like you mentioned, Aiden, the Panthers are, are pretty well positioned in that I don't think they need to focus on an offensive guy or a defensive guy. They yep. can just take whoever's like the best coach that falls into the lap. So, but yeah, I, I like Peyton. I like Steve Wilkes. Yeah, shout out to D'Amico Ryan's getting a job because I, I agree. I think he's the most attractive like candidate without head coaching experience. Um, mm-hmm. But okay, Cardinals up next. We got Jared starting. Who do you have them hiring? I'm Frank Reich here, and I think that'd be a really good fit. Um, when he's had a solid quarterback play, he's he's done like pretty well. Um, in his first year as a coach, he had Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck had posted career highs or near career highs in most of the important stats like completion percentage, yards, touchdowns. Interceptions also were high that year, but overall you can live with it if he's throwing 39 touchdowns, right? But then Andrew Luck retired after having that career year, and like the Colts really never reco- have never recovered from that, um, or I should say have yet to recover from that. Um, even like when he had Carson Wentz, the Carson Wentz like did pretty, I mean, that's the best Wentz has done in the last, what, like four seasons or so? And then obviously Benz, uh, Wentz's best season couldn't like partially be attributed to Frank Reich when he was in Philly. So I think you definitely want an offensive coach here to maximize Kyler's potential after you've locked him up. Uh, I wouldn't go a defensive coach. Maybe on any of these <laughs> hirings, but especially here, I think, when you have Kyler. Um, and he's like seems like a very like steady personality, which like not that the Cardinals have been tumultuous or anything, but I feel like that's kind of what they need right now. Just like a nice steady like pro. Not like betting it on somebody i guess Mark, what do you think yeah lucas who do you have? oh sorry yeah i definitely agree with jared that this like um a lot of the other uh hires here need to be sort of like an offensive money coach i'm gonna go with eric Bieniemy. i think this might be Bieniemy's shot uh to become a head coach and again what the cardinals need is somebody who can get the best out of kyler Somebody who knows offensive football and the enemy, I think, is exactly the guy to fill that void. Because who else would be better than the guy who helped Pat Mahomes rocket to the top of the NFL over the last few years as the offensive coordinator um, that, to help Kyler? I think it's a perfect situation. I think the enemy, again, is somebody who really deserves a chance. I think he's been unfairly passed over for head coaching jobs over the past couple of years. And I think Kyler, again, needs a second chance as well. So you have two guys who are maybe have a chip on their shoulder working together in a way that benefits both of their skill sets. Um, so yeah, I think with all that considered, um, I think Bianami, uh has to be the pick here. But I also did strongly consider Frank Gregg. I think Frank Gregg, Frank Gregg would also be a great option, as Jared mentioned. Yeah. Do we think there's a chip on Kyler's shoulder? Like that? We, we will see. Maybe. Like he honestly <laughs> we'll see. doesn't we'll see. get we'll talked see. about that much. Like he's kind of just like an afterthought. The only time we talked about him was him playing. Yeah, now you gave him a chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, Colts up next. We got Jared to start with. I'm going to say Eric Bianami. I'm afraid he might be on here a bunch. Um, <laughs> but like I said, I, I, I feel like this is Colin Coward's theory, so maybe this is rubbed on me too. But like, I just don't think he should really be going with defensive coaches anymore with like um, how good young quarterbacks can be as, as early as they can be too. It's really risky, I think, to go. Even if they are a really good coach, it seems just kind of risky to go with a defensive-minded guy. When if you just don't have a quarterback, like, what are you gonna do? And Eric Bannemi's not gonna have a quarterback here. Like the Colts have the fourth draft pick. Maybe they trade up, or maybe somebody falls to them. I, I don't really. I haven't looked at what the mock is gonna be, but it makes it less intriguing than the Titans. And I feel like because Bannemi has been passed up so much, he's not gonna get the best job if he does get a job. Um, not. I don't know why he's been passed up. Um, it seems like he's 
a good offensive mind. Um, but yeah, you need like offensive gurus nowadays. So I think the Colts should go Eric Bieniemy right here. I think the word on the streets is that he's a really bad interviewer. That's something I, I mean, see it, a lot. It has to be. He's had 15 interviews um, for for four, like for 14 different teams. So he interviewed for a team twice, and he's yet to get a job. He's also not the play caller, um, so I know that that's hard. I read an article that suggested something that I agree with. Maybe he should just leave and be a play caller somewhere else and, and try to do that. It doesn't seem like Andy Reid – should or will give up the responsibility of calling plays. Um, I know that a lot of the guys on the Chiefs are saying that, he, you know, we like him. He's a good offensive mind. Mm-hmm. He's very helpful. Um, but I think a couple of years ago he was up for a job at, like, Colorado, and maybe he should just take in that too and seen what he could do and prove himself as, like, oh, you know, I can call plays. I do know a thing or two. But yeah, I don't know. He's, he gets passed up a lot. For the Colts here, I have Mike Kafka who was the Chiefs quarterback's coach and is now the Giants offensive coordinator. He's also the play caller for the Giants right now. Um, it's probably risky uh, to go for a guy who's only been a one-year offensive coordinator, but like everyone has said so far, out of all of the remaining teams so far in the playoffs, only one is a defensive head coach, which is um, Sean McDermott for the Buffalo Bills. Every single one of them, the rest of them, come from an offensive background. So it kind of proves that Offense does matter. Right now, I think the Colts will trade up. I think they will get the number one overall pick with the Bears um, and go and get a guy, probably Bryce Young, maybe Will Levis if they're really feeling like it. And if they want to go for the project like Will Levis, Mike Kafka, who's been around Patrick Mahomes, who is around Daniel Jones right now, who goes against these guys who are are pretty athletic, but you just kind of got to mold them a little bit, even if I'm not comparing Patrick Mahomes to Daniel Jones. But... um, You know, like they, they're going to need a guy who can speak the quarterback's language by the time that they bring somebody in. So I think Mike Kafka might be worthwhile. I see the risk. I see the bumpy road. But he also has been a pretty good play caller so far, and I would bank on him developing just a little bit. The real answer I wrote here was, who cares? Because uh, I don't care who the Colts have. <laughs> it does not matter at all. Just not Jeff Saturday. He promised he would go away if he sucked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They've also interviewed people, which kind of makes me believe that, uh, you know, maybe he's not the guy for the job. Okay, Broncos up next. Lucas, who's filling up? It's a name that's been mentioned before, and even though I don't know if it's the most likely one um, for this person to land, I'm going to go with Sean Payton. Um, If the Broncos, I think, had their choice of anybody at this point, um, I think it would be him. I mean, the offense, again, this year was clearly the problem. Peyton is a guy who, coming in, could help fix that offense. Look at the Broncos again. Now, this stat is always crazy to me. If they'd scored at least 20 points in every game, they would be 11-6 and six this year. They got just a dramatically different turnaround. We saw a little bit of a turnaround from Russ at the end of the year, too. And so I think Peyton would be somebody who might, you know, appreciate the challenge of revitalizing the career of a quarterback. Sort of similar with, with Drew Brees, although Drew Brees was obviously a lot younger, but leaving San Diego and everything, um, you know, Brees was somebody who was maybe not considered in the highest regard anymore at that point. You look at Peyton's track record, too, with offenses, it is elite. You look at his last, I think I have 12 years here, the PFF grades for their offense uh, when he was at the Saints, starting in 2010 forward. They were 7th, 1st, 7th, 2nd, 6th, 4th, 7th, 3rd, 3rd, 1st, 
11th and 24th. So it fell out a little bit at the end. Mm. But he consistently put together some of the best offenses. Again, the Broncos' problem is not their defense. They should be hiring an offensive-minded coach, and there's nobody better to do that than Sean Payton. So again, maybe it's not the most attractive for him, but I think if the Broncos are going for anybody, it should be Sean Payton. Yeah, I'm up next for the Broncos, and I'm depressed that Jim Harbaugh is out of the running to some degree because I, I thought Sean Payton wouldn't take it, and there was a little bit of buzz that Jim Harbaugh thought the job was interesting, um, which clearly didn't mean anything because apparently he's going back to Michigan. Um, but I feel like what the Broncos need is not only an offensive-minded coach but someone who has a bit of experience as a head coach, especially after Nathaniel Hackett, who would just feel like kind of crumbled under this situation where it seemed like Russ was in charge to some degree or was treated as the special player this year with his own office and his own parking space and I'm sure that drama with that was all a bit overblown by the media Uh, but it does feel like something's off with the culture surrounding Russ and the Broncos and so if I were the Broncos I would want someone who had been a head coach before coming in Um, so given that Jim Harbaugh who you know was pretty dominant with the 49ers in three of his four NFL seasons, um, but is not actually in the running. I'm going to go with Frank Reich, um, a repeat of a, of a previous mentioned one as an offensive-minded coach who has a bit of experience in, in the area. Um, and honestly, I wouldn't even mind them bringing in a defensive-minded coach who then could at least you know hire somebody better at offensive coordinator or whatnot, so like a Dan Quinn of, or sorts. I'm just someone who seems like he has a little bit of time in the in the head coach position. Yeah. Okay, moving on to our last spot, the Texans. Bart, who do you have filling it? Once again, a team that needs an offensive-minded guy. Yeah, yeah. It's sounding like a broken record. They were dead last in EPA this year. And also they have the second pick and then also I think the 12th pick. And so I think uh, while you mentioned the Bears do have the first pick, they wouldn't take a quarterback here. I would think they might trade it. Uh, but I think either way the, the um, Texans are going to take a quarterback at number two unless they like really don't like C.J. Stroud or mm-hmm. Levi's or whatever. Um, they also, I want to say, they do have that draft capital to trade for Sean Payton. So Sean Payton was the first name that came to mind for me. Um, they got that second pick, I think, from back when they um, got rid of Deshaun Watson. I also thought of Eric Bieniemy. I don't want to go too much into depth on him. The third name that I was really excited to talk about was Ben Johnson, the Lions mm-hmm. offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But because yeah. of how good they were this year, and Jared Goff specifically were getting revitalized. But today he announced that he's staying with the Lions. So Ooh. he's not going anywhere anymore. <laughs> Apparently. Maybe he'll change his mind. <laughs> But yeah, somebody offensive-minded. I think we know who the best guys for that are. What, why? Who, who did you have? Well, I did. I actually had Ben Johnson for both. Um, it was I had Panthers, Colts, and the Texans. <clears throat> um, if they're gonna fire him after one year, they should just start pulling fans from the sta- from the crowds to come coach the games because it seems like that's going to be a trend. I think that what they need is a professional, and they might need to revitalize their image. Um, they fired <clears throat> or moved on from Jack Easterby, who was the cult leader in the Texans organization. So now he's kind of, they've kind of unmurkied the water here. I picked D'Amico Ryans. I I like him. Um, He, I think the Texans leaning into a defensive identity would be good for them for a team that's young. Uh, Derek Stingley is a really good corner. um, And I think D'Amico Ryan is a great 
defensive mind. He constructed that new 49ers defense himself. Um, so it's it, it's impressive. I think that he's going to be able to relate to a young quarterback. I think he's going to be able to mentor a young quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. Opposite of what like Brian Flores was, where if Brian Flores just got along with Tua, he'd probably still have a job. Um, the fact that they were kind of like at odds seemed that, that ruined his chances. I don't think that's going to happen with D'Amico Ryan as well. So whether they bring in Stroud, and I think the offense honestly is going to fall into place regardless. You know, they'll draft a quarterback and they'll draft a wide receiver this year. And then they're pretty solid from there. But they yeah, have I'm running for Ryan. No, no, no. Mm. no. You said you're rooting for D'Amico Ryan's Lucas. I am, yeah. I, I really yeah. like him. I think he's done an excellent job for the 49ers. And even though, like, again, the way the trend is going as offensive coaches, I'd love to see him get a shot. Also, just to kind of poo-poo everything, I don't think Sean Payton is coaching this year. I think it was well, like Chargers or, or it's very I possible. Like it was Chargers I, or bust. Yeah. Like I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, because I mean, like, none of the spots are that appealing, right? I think, so and I have your choice. Aiden, I agree with yeah. you that the the Panthers are super appealing, but if they have to give up a first round pick, I'm not giving up pick nine for Sean Payton. The yeah. Chargers, I give up a, a pick in the teens or twenties, you know. And if the Broncos had made the play, like, and the, the Broncos kind of make sense, but they also don't really have the capital to make like a big trade for him right now. Um, so if they're asking for a first round pick. Why would the Texans do that? Yep. Why would the Broncos? I mean, the Broncos can't do that. Why would the Panthers do that? It just doesn't really make sense. Chargers were the only team that made sense that like we have everything established. We just are yep. being ran or dr- we're drowning here with our coach. Yeah, the he said on Colin Coward's show that it was like I think the the draft the ask is going to be like a mid to late first round, which is the Chargers basically. <laughs> so and, and since it didn't happen, mm-hmm. um, then obviously that's gone. I think the Panther. What if the Panthers or if the Cowboys? What if fire. the Panthers got Lamar Jackson though? What if Lamar Jackson says I'm done with Baltimore? They go so <laughs> sign and trade or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know because like, they can franchise tag him. I'm I'm not like super versed in that lingo, but are you piggybacking yeah. off of my take or are you trying to steal my take? Did you have a take about this? Yeah, earlier. Oh, I don't remember. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> about him being signed and trade to the yeah, did you say Panthers? Panthers? I literally the Panthers. Yeah, I said he's going to be a Carolina yeah. Panther next year. I know Bart. Oh heard yeah, me, right? I know you did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, remember, I, remember, I, remember I definitely that. said that. Nice. Sean Payton said he wants to coach coach Lamar, so. There's an echo in here. He's going to follow Lamar. He's going to unseat John Harbaugh. Otherwise, if Lamar just stays put, um he should go be the OC for the Chargers. <laughs> That'll work well. Yeah. <laughs> Sean Payton joins as an offensive they assistant a first round pick for the Chargers. For a, uh, yeah, quarterback coach. <laughs> okay, before we move into some NBA talk, a quick word from our sponsors. The NFL playoff action continues. We're one step closer to Super Bowl 57, and for the NFL divisional round, check out DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can take a shot at an even bigger payout with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Boost your NFL winnings with each leg you add up to 100%. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code TPPN. New customers can bet just $5 on the NFL divisional round and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code TPPN. 
PPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, so we're back now with some NBA rookie talk. Uh, we're almost at midseason at this point, and we haven't really talked about the rookies so far, what we've seen from them, um, whether they've met expectations or disappointed. Uh, so we're going to do some discussion around those. Specifically, we're going to start with flop or not, where we look at lottery picks who have been kind of fine or meh or not great so far and say whether we think long-term they'll be considered a flop uh, by the end of their career, which is a little little forward-looking. Uh, but anyways, we're going to start with Shaden Sharp on the Blazers. Bart, what do you think? I think he'll be fine. I don't think he's going to develop into an all-star necessarily, but I don't think he's going to be a flop either. I think he'll develop eventually into just like your middle-of-the-road role, middle role player who's in the league for a handful of years. Um, you know, you look at his numbers, seven and a half points, two and a half rebounds, half an assist per game. Not exactly taking the league by storm, I'll admit that. But he's only averaging 20 points a game, and you have to account for the fact that he's behind Dame and Simons, right, at the guard role. So he's not exactly getting a ton of opportunity to, you know, like, you know, dominate the other team. I looked at rookie guards specifically and adjusted for minutes played. And when you look at that, he's terrible at rebounding and assists, which we knew, but he's a good scorer. And so that's, I think, where he'll, you know, make his killing and, and keep himself in the NBA. He's also mm-hmm. only 19. When you watch him play, he actually looks, like, pretty composed and just, like, comfortable out there, which I think does count for something. Um, he's super athletic. He's going to be in the dunk contest this year. And mm-hmm. so I think all, those two things also kind of elevate his floor, at least, which is another reason why I think he'll at least be able to stay in the NBA for a while. Again, I don't think he's going to be an all-star, but I, I don't think he's looked bad enough yet where I would say he's a flop as well. Mm-hmm. Jared, what do you okay. think? Yeah, as, as a Blazers yeah, fan. Have I watched yeah. any Shade and Sharp this, this year? Uh, I won't answer that. But he, I, I agree with you, Bart, that I don't think he's going to be a flop. Um, like, I, like, I said, like you said, the athleticism, it'll be exciting to see what he does in the dunk contest. And if you look at like a, mm-hmm. a report that I will reference later in this episode, spoiler alert, uh, like a midseason report from like oh, uh, league executives and stuff, um, Shaden Sharp actually is considered like a steal, I guess, in a way, in terms of where he was drafted, where some of the other guys on this list aren't. So I don't think you could call him a flop for sure. And like you said, once he gets more minutes over than like the 20 per game that he's getting right now, then maybe that's something that kind of just comes with getting reps in the NBA. Okay, I have next Johnny Davis on the Wizards. Lucas, flop or not? I think that he's absolutely going to be a flop. Um, wow. After being picked number 10, I he has just not made an impact at all. Yes, he's been injured a lot of the season. He's had some hip problems. But even across that, like with that considered, not much has happened. He's played 50 minutes all year for the Wizards. He has scored 11 points in those 50 minutes. I don't think that is necessarily a great return. Even his stats with the G League Capital City Go-Go, which I learned are a team, <laughs> which is an elite name, are pretty mid. Playing for them, he's averaged 11.9 points, 4.1 rebound bounds, 2.1 assists, which in them in and of itself would be fine, but he's shooting only like 40% from the field. He's averaging as many turnovers per game as assists. So like the efficiency numbers are pretty bad in the G League. I don't think that's necessarily going to translate 
well to the NBA. So, yeah, I mean, I hope he does well. I hope everybody does well. But the the indicators at this point aren't giving me a ton of hope that he's going to be anything but a flop at this point. Okay, Wyatt, are you on board with that? Yeah, total on board. And I also was taken <laughs> back uh, the Capital City Go-Go's. Um, <clears throat> part of my research is I kind of, first of all, I had to look up who Johnny Davis was. I do not watch a lot of Wizards basketball, <laughs> to be honest. I know that might come to a shock to some people. Um, not really part Go-Go's, of right? Yeah, uh, yeah. Every I've, I've learned more about him since he became the Go-Go's. It became, came on the Go-Go's. Um, part of my research was looking up Johnny Davis and one in this one of the headlines is Johnny Davis is a total bust and I kind of wiped my hands clean and I was like that's all I needed to see <laughs> um, I also saw some tweets that were like he might be the worst lottery pick I've ever seen I watched a video that said um, that he is uh, the future is dim <laughs> for Johnny Davis I, every, all signs point that he's not very good he averaged 1.1 points per game in the NBA um, which is not good at all and the fact that the Washington Wizards said that we can't play you seems pretty bad, if you ask me. So, um, yeah. not not super hopeful, to be honest. But yeah. you know, like Lucas, we're rooting for you, bud. <laughs> <laughs> sure, he'll be feel very supported by that. Um, He'll turn his okay, career next, around. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, up next we got a bigger name, Jamari Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, I'm up first. I think he'll be a light flop. I think he's one-dimensional. You know, he's a guy that there was a lot of buzz about going first overall, even. I said it back when we talked about the draft. He does not seem like a guy who's going to take over games the way you'd expect a first overall or a top three pick, like he went third, to do. And that's what he's looked like so far. He's averaged 12 points a game, 39% shooting from the field, 32% from three. You know, that'll certainly improve with years. But it hasn't improved much so far this season. You know, he's shooting 19% from three in January so far. He just seems largely catch and shoot. You know, a stat back in November, um, so this isn't the most up-to-date, but had him as assisted on 75% of his shots, including 94% of his shots from outside. He doesn't really create. He doesn't create shots for others either. He has less than assists per game. He's a negative offensive box plus minus, negative defensive box plus minus. You know, eventually he'll shoot better and score probably 16 to 18 a game. But I feel like that's a disappointment for a guy who is seriously discussed as the number one pick at one point. Bart, what do you think? This is funny because you, you've stated nothing but facts, and I can't really disagree with what you said, but I disagree that I think he's going to be a flop. I actually am... I, I think he, he hasn't been you know, great, but I think he will improve. I think there are some encouraging signs. Mm. One thing, I, I the 39% when I saw that, I just laughed. I mean, that's awful. Even for a rookie, that's awful. I could shoot better. Than that. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, I noticed you're scoring that yeah. touchdown. Wait, yeah, you're exactly. a multi-sport athlete over here. <laughs> you're shooting 39 Bart, Bart take off the VR headset. <laughs> um, from October to November to December, his field goal percentage improved from 32 to 37 to 43%. So I think the 39% might just be like an NBA rookie getting the ropes thing. I also saw at one point he was on pace to be the first rookie ever to make two three-pointers and have one block per game. He's not on pace to be that anymore, but he's still on pace to, with, with his numbers. It's just him and Paul Pierce, which I think is pretty good company. And he's also third amongst rookies in rebounds per game. Um, and then the most important thing, Aiden, you might be making the same mistake I made last year, or you might be wrong, and I'm just making a mistake again. 
Um, I was down on the Rockets specifically, and I didn't account for how much that hurts rookies. Mm-hmm. But the Rockies are the Rockets are woeful. <laughs> And you actually mentioned the same thing about him not being a playmaker or shot making or whatever. The Rockets don't have any good playmakers. And so I think he will look a lot better once they have a guy who can feed him the ball correctly. Because, yeah, his catch and shoot is his biggest asset. But they're not really, like, unlocking his offensive potential, I feel like. So I am optimistic he'll get better. Yeah. That's fair. On the Warriors, he'd be great. <laughs> not this year, maybe. Yeah, he does need someone to get him those, those opportunities. Um, but anyway. Okay, up next we got Jeremy Sokan from the Spurs. We've got Wyatt up first, flop or not. Can you really be a flop when you play for the San Antonio Spurs? Like, I mean, they're not like they're any good at all. I'm going to say not because I also, what's the expectation for Jeremy Sochan? Um, there's some reasons to hope that he's not a flop because he switched from shooting free throws to one-handed which shows that he's willing to do whatever it takes. He also is in double-digit points three times so far in January. So, I don't know. I feel relatively encouraged. I have this take about the NBA lottery is that, for the most part, when you draft a guy, even if you draft a guy number three overall, all you really want is a long-time starter. You don't need a superstar. So, for Jeremy Sochan, I think that he could probably be a long-time starter in the league. Um, You know, kind of work out some of the quirks. He's only 19, so there's a good chance that he'll become – a little bit better and a little bit more polished, but I don't know. For the most part, like what, like what do you expect? Really, I mean, he plays for the yeah. Spurs, and he was the tenth pick. <laughs> They're the, the Spurs right now are trying to get the number one overall pick at the moment, so I don't think that there's a whole lot of pressure on him to be good at all. I think he'll eventually just be like a good system player. Yeah, I also have him as a a not flop. It's still too early, really, for me to be convinced one way or the other. Um, but he's a weird player. He's a power forward at 6'9", 230 pounds, who at times has played point guard. He can guard pretty much any position he's on the Magic floor. Magic Johnson. Exactly. <laughs> he's going to be Magic Johnson. Book it. Uh, but, he's, you know, he's, he's only 19. He had one year of college basketball under his belt. That's why it said he was, you know, towards the back of the lottery. And, you know, his inexperience has shown. He's shooting from three, um, just barely over 20%. And before, I think... The beginning of January, he was the only player with 40 or more three-point attempts to be shooting under 20%. And as Wyatt alluded to, he was a terrible free-throw shooter. He was shooting 43% from the free-throw line through, like, (laughs) mid-December. And then he started shooting with one hand, and now he's at 61%. So, you know, he's shown that he can develop. Um, But I mean, that is like a drill that you used to do in basketball. You would just stand there and just one-handed... No assist. Exactly. He's doing that. He's doing that all live, the time. Never you know? stops. Yeah. <laughs> In front of the 68,000 people at the Alamo Dome or whatever it was last week when they set that <laughs> um, <laughs> attendance record. Uh, but I feel like his stat line, all things considered, is like solid. He's 8.6 points per game on 45% shooting. That's a bit inefficient, but 4.8 rebounds, 2.4 assists. Joe's a kind of balanced player, I feel like, who could develop into something that's unique fun to watch okay to close this out we got ochai agbaji yeah he is polish i know wild um so how many polish nba players are there just him you need to know the number tell us the number (laughs) he retired he might be the only one right now actually for all i know yeah yeah (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, we're going to close out with Ochai Agbaji uh, from the Jazz. Jared to start. I'm going to say not a flop yet. Um, like I said, have I watched, or like I'm, you might think, I haven't watched that much Jazz basketball this year, but um, from what I saw, he, um, with every rookie basically, like every rookie that's not like one of the top three picks, they're super inconsistent to start the year. Um, a lot of it's at least it's a common trend with the rookies, and that definitely was the case here too. But since the new year, um, where he's starting to get a lot of more, a lot more minutes, he's had a couple like really efficient performances, like 19 points on seven to seven uh, shooting against the Bulls. He just put up a really good game against the Timberwolves last night too. Sorry, Bart, but um, so I think he's got some flashes at oh. least, where it's like like Wyatt was saying for like a 14th overall pick you're hoping that he develops into like a, a good starter, I think, maybe at that point. So I'm not going to call him a flop. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he's a star, but he's not a flop. Mm-hmm. Lucas, do you agree? Yeah, I mean, my assessment is almost exactly the same. I don't think he's going to be a star or world beater or anything like that, but I think he's going to be a good solid start in the league. Mm-hmm. You look at his efficiency numbers, he's 48% from the field, 38% from three. Those are good numbers for a normal NBA player um, or like an average, you know, sort of level starter, especially the 38.1% from three is pretty good. Um, but nothing like mind blowing. But when you look at it for a rookie, especially given the numbers, some of the numbers we've thrown out of like less than 20% from three, he's looking all right. The jazz have been good this year. Like George said, he's had some good games, especially the Timberwolves game uh, last night. And yeah, I don't think he's going to be a, a bust or a flop or there's really nothing I don't think to suggest that at this point okay moved into some more positive picks uh, we're gonna look at guys who we think could become a star guys who are specifically drafted outside of the top 10 um, who we think are on the rise and could become um, an all-star in this league I'm gonna start with Lucas who do you have in the past draft who falls into this category I have Jalen Williams, who was picked by the Thunder at number 12 out of Santa Clara. Um, Well, he's had a penchant for some bad games throughout his career. On the 15th of January against the Nets, he scored one point, going 0 for 9 for the field. Um, On January 4th against the Magic, he scored four points, going 2 for 8. But other than that, he's been really consistent over the past month or so. Look at his last few games. Against the Hornets, 15 points. Against the Sixers, 17 it's the Celtics 21, Wizards 18, Mavericks 10, Heat 12, Sixers again 14, and the Bulls 22. He's averaging only 11.7 per game, but it's clear that the numbers are working up and get weighed down a little bit by those like one-point games against the net. He's shooting, he's shooting greater than 50% from the field. The Thunder are playing pretty well this year. They've gone a little bit of a run uh, this year, um, or at least in the last you know, month or so, and I think you can't in any small part attribute that to Jalen Williams. I think he has been a very good pick um and he's got to continue to keep being better because he is helping the thunder play themselves out of the Wembenyama sweepstakes so they need somebody to keep performing <laughs> and so yeah i think Jalen williams is a guy who's picked outside the top 10 that can sort of continue to help out uh the thunder for years to come nice yeah wyatt who you got i got nikola jovich from the miami Heat. <laughs> As of right now, guys named Nikola have combined for two MVPs in the league, which makes me believe that we got a star on the making here. 
I'm going to pick the young Serbian who possesses the size and athleticism to play the wing really well. He's a power forward for the Heat. He's about 80 pounds shy of what Nikola Jokovic is, um, but he's 6'10", so he's got the wingspan to go out and do something. He does not play a lot. He has a back injury, so he's been out. He's going to be out for at least four weeks as of, I don't even know when that was. Let's say two weeks ago. Yeah, it was two weeks ago. Um, so, I mean, like, it, I'm going to hope that he comes out and he becomes, like, a really good, like, 3 and D guy. He has a true shooting percentage of 50%, which is kind of decent. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I believe in the kid. All Nikolias have uh, succeeded so far. Yeah, even more specifically, Nikolas with, you know, it's just four letters, yeah, four right. of the five letters. All Nikola you know, J's in, right in the league have yeah, exactly. gone out to do amazing things. <laughs> okay, Bart, given that, you know, the, the Nikola's gone, who you taking? <laughs> Pass. Uh, all aboard the Jalen Duran train is who mm-hmm. I'm taking. Um, he was taken right after Jalen Williams at 12. He was taken at 13. Uh, I think... Uh, Jaden Ivey has overshadowed him a little bit this year, and whereas Ivey might make like the all-rookie first team, Duran is on track, I would say, to make the second team. Um, he's fourth in PER amongst rookies. Pretty cool. Doesn't score a lot, only eight points a game, but shooting 63%, which is excellent. He's also leading all rookies right now in rebounds per game, I noticed. And today, I'm a sucker for first rookie ever stats. I looked this up on StatMuse. He would be the first rookie ever to average eight rebounds a game on 60% shooting, which is like kind of surprising to me but also pretty cool. I also saw stats saying that he's setting the most screen assists per game since DeAndre Ayton five years ago. So all of that's to say he is actually like doing a lot of the little things right for a big man already. And he's apparently the youngest player in the NBA right now. Does that also explain why he forgot his passport or lost his passport and he can't play with the Pistons this week in France? <laughs> Maybe. But the upside is that he has a lot of potential. So all aboard the Jalen Duran train. I didn't realize they were playing in France this weekend. I neither. Uh, make a local pitch to Wembeyama, but anyway. <laughs> okay, Andrew, Jared, Andrew Nemhard of the Pacers. Um, I gotta get, you give support to people that went to Pacific Northwest schools, even if it's not the uh, Pac-12 in Gonzaga. He's way way <laughs> further down the draft order too than the other guys. He's the first pick of the second round, um, but he's had some really like great highlights for a, like a rookie, like. He had a buzzer beater three pointer in LeBron's eye back in November against the Lakers to win the game. Awesome story. He had a, then he had a 31 point, 13 assist, eight rebound game against the Warriors a little bit later. Um, and now he's starting to get into the starting rotation, despite the fact um, that he's not he he's starting into the starting rotation because uh, Tyrese Halliburton is hurt too. Um, he hasn't done well recently since Tyrese Halliburton's got. Um, hurt but before that um he was he was averaging like in the two games he started before Halliburton got hurt he averaged 23 23 and a half points per game 10 assists per game and seven rebounds and he's playing a lot too he's playing like 40 minutes and stuff um so that's really good apparently he's also I'm not like nuanced Mm -hmm. enough to know this but he apparently guards the top opponent players uh the top players of the opponents on a nightly basis so he's doing a lot for the team um, and like I said, even though he's not shooting well, he's actually assisting really well in his first, the first three games, which is when I compiled the stats. Um, he was averaging seven mm-hmm. rebounds a game. Yeah. Se- or excuse me, seven assists per game. So at least he's doing something. I, and that's like, honestly better than a lot of the rookies that we've already discussed. He's doing pretty yeah. good. 
And like I said on that midseason report, um, he was voted the uh, biggest steal of the draft by um, NBA like beat writers or something like that. NBA.com beat writers. Yeah. So yeah, good for them. Shoot. Seven assists for a rookie. Pretty legit. Um, yeah. But anyway. Um, okay, I'm going to close this out. I'm going with Walker Kessler, center out of Auburn, when he was taken with the 22nd pick. He's been on three NBA teams at this point. The Grizzlies initially took him, then he was traded to the Wolves, and then it was included in the Gobert trade and ended up on the Jazz. So naturally, one would compare him to Gobert. Kessler is averaging 3.9 blocks per 36 minutes. Rudy is averaging 1.4, and his career high is 3.4. Kessler's opponents are shooting 53% around the rim. Uh, Gobert is holding opponents to 60% shooting around the rim. On offense, Kessler is shooting 72% from the field, and Gobert is shooting 68% from the field. Um, So therefore, I have, you know, effectively shown that Kessler (laughs) is better than Gobert already. Uh, not, maybe not really, oh, uh, but I feel like the Jazz have immediately lucked into a potential replacement for Gobert, um, and you'll never, you know, be an offensive star. But it seems like a a contender to be the Gobert-like defensive defensive player of the year contender um, that the Jazz just got rid of. So, good find for sure. Just adds to the <laughs> list of draft woes by the Timberwolves. Yikes. Sorry. Thanks for telling me about that today, and you ruined my day. <laughs> it was a great well, Bart, day I don't know. until. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, well, Bart, I don't know how your day can ever be ruined when you're on the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. And if you want your day to be great every single day and never have it be ruined, you'll keep listening. You'll keep subscribing. You'll keep downloading the podcast. Also, give us a follow on social media at Lunch Pail Guys underscore. We're on TikTok. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Make sure you follow us there. Keep listening and engaging, and we will see you next week.